Eavesdrop on Experts, a podcast about 21st century explorers changing the world. One lecture, one experiment, one interview at a time. I'm Chris Hatzis. It's a bonus edition of Eavesdrop on Experts today. A few episodes ago, we eavesdropped on the University of Melbourne's Dr Shona Candy about the essential global movement of our cities becoming resilient eco-cities. Today, Eavesdrop on Experts production assistant Claudia Hooper grabs the microphone and travels down to Newell's Paddock in Melbourne to capture a major shrub planting project that shows what communities working together can do to improve the urban environment. Let's piggyback on her big adventure. I've come on a meandering and interesting journey down to Footscray's Newell's Paddock in Melbourne's inner western suburbs. In amongst the industrial murmur and whir, it's an oddly serene location. Trains pass by as ibis, cormorants and coots frolic in the water of the recently restored wetlands. I'm here to join Friends of Newell's Paddock and the EcoCity World Summit speakers who are planting shrubs and continuing the process of regeneration. It's also a great opportunity to speak with residents, councillors and rangers about the complicated and controversial history of the site. So I'm just talking to Dominic Hess, who's an academic at the University of Melbourne and also a presenter at the EcoCity Conference. Dominic, what are we doing out here today in Footscray and Newell's Paddock? So we are um, planting trees and uh, shrubs and ground covers uh, to support the local ecosystems of the area. And uh, we're doing that as part of, uh, instead of getting a bottle of wine or a book or something as part of EcoCities, instead we're getting uh, a plant so that we are actually contributing to the local area. And how's it been getting your hands dirty? Have you enjoyed the process? It's been a bit cold. (laughs) The ground's a bit hard. But uh, um, it's actually, I I love getting my hands dirty, Um, although I have gloves on. (laughs) Can you give me an idea of um, how many uh, shrubs we're planting today? 500 I think. Uh, There is a whole gaggle of school children coming soon and uh, they're going to help us uh, do some of the planting because obviously many of the speakers are from international places from uh, overseas and so uh, they can't be here to help us plant so we've uh, co-opted a bunch of students, about 50 of them, to come and help us. So we're just waiting for them to arrive and they can do most of the work. (laughs) Out here accompanying the students are some speakers of the July 2017 EcoCity World Summit. They're planting trees instead of giving gifts to the speakers. Much more fun, much more environmentally friendly and with a legacy. Can you tell us a bit about how long you've been living in the area and the kind of things that you've noticed change over that time? Um, Yeah, look, I moved into West Grey back in 2009, so just just over eight years ago now. Um, and how it's changed, well there's been lots of changes to Putsgrave, I mean it's, it's definitely building up from a density point of view, um, but this area out here is, is quite special to us because um, the temple which is just over the other side of the railway behind us is a place that um, we often ride our bikes and come around this area, so we'll ride around even all the way up to um, up the Maribyrnong there, and, and this area um, definitely is improving and I think you know this is a, a really great idea from the EcoCity conference which I'm speaking at to have us come and do this rather than you know get a token bottle of wine or bottle of shampoo or soaps or other kind of junk so yeah I think this is a, a really neat effort. And how you found being out here today planting is this your daughter with you here? Yeah I've got Princess Kayani with me today and she's been uh, excellent with the little 
little white tabs of I don't even know what they are, but the stuff that goes in the bottom of the plants. Um, she's been great with that. Uh, and yeah, look, I mean, we've seen there's probably, I don't know, maybe there's 50 or 100 plants that have been done here today already, so it's been good. Every resident has their own recollection of this area, with each remembering distinctly different parts of the site's history. When I came here, I mean, there were virtually no birds around. I mean, it was really interesting. It wasn't until about in the 90s, there was some work done by Melbourne Water, um, and they, Jill Orr Young was a landscape architect, and she actually did a design for this, and that's when they recreated the wetlands and did a lot of the planting. And over the next 25-odd years, not very little was done. And then um, after that, uh, I, I suppose, it was just... You couldn't walk through. I'd, I'd, I'd be walking with my dog along the, the river, not realising, well, at the time you couldn't walk through because it was a conservation area. But then all of a sudden you could walk through. And then about three years ago, two and a half, three years ago, um, Friends of Newell's Paddock was um, established. Um, Yvonne Bischofberger, she was the basic person. She was um, instrumental in getting it all start up and running. And we, we just started doing some planting and and today you wouldn't recognise the place. Selfie! It's a big day for the kids being out here, but it's also great for the teachers to be able to give their students some hands-on experience. Initially the park uh, didn't really have much going on. It was sort of left to, its, uh, to itself and um, I mean I've been in Footscray for uh, 20 years odd and around this area for a good 15 years. Um, but ever since the, the creation of Newell's Paddock, uh, Friends of Newell's Paddock, it's seen really great things happen. Um, and we've seen uh, lots and lots of endemic trees planted and grasses and um, sort of been re restored back to its natural sort of state. Um, but, I mean, the park itself is such, a, such an interesting history. You know, it was one of the sites where Faulkner um, first encountered the Rwandri people. Um, and it was actually the, one of the proposed sites for Melbourne. But one of the party got uh, lost on the other side of the river and they had to swim across and get him. Um, and then after that it was, was owned by a few uh, local contractors and uh, the person who actually owns my house owned uh, the, the property. And um, when uh, in the 1900s it was a site of big local controversy uh, because the contractor dumped all of Footscray's night soil down in this paddock and uh, I think three people got typhoid and died. So if the park wasn't seen that favourably for a while. And then after that it was uh, William Anglis run his operation out of here for a long time, up until about the 40s. But um, yeah, fascinating history. You know, realistically, not many places around Melbourne have this sort of working, uh, you know, wetlands actually you know, right in the middle of the, the city. There's, there aren't too many examples, you know. It's a very, it's a very unique um, sort of ecosystem around here, the Western Plains. Um, you know, the grasslands extended all the way from here to sort of Werribee area. And they're one of the most endangered um, ecosystems uh, in Australia, so um, it'd be great to, to see that sort of um, rejuvenated and, and rehabilitated. But, um, but yeah, hopefully we'll be able to do more of that. <laughs> in the middle of rapid development in this area, it's the determination, hard work and passion of local residents that sees initiatives like this native shrub planting happen. So I was just wondering if you could tell me a bit about this area, what it used to be like, your memories from this place. Okay, when I first started down here, we only had two ponds, two ponds originally. So this area where we're working in today was created later on. Originally it was just dirt, 
dirt bikes and that, that went around here and they use this for running around. Originally, when I first started, you could stand at the, at the car park and look right to the other end of the park. So it was pretty bare and that. So when they put the new railway in and that, they had to do, um, what is it, a flood culvert, linking this to the Heavenly Queen site, and that's when they put the ponds in. So I think that must have been a Melbourne Water, I think, project or something. And so can you tell me a bit about what we're doing here today? Um, we're trying to um, increase the plant cover, probably to reduce the use of herbicide, for one, and just to beautify the whole area and put the salt bush that was originally back into the area. Stop all the soil erosion, increase bird life, increase the habitat of all the little foxes, I suppose. There's foxes here, but not as many anymore. But yeah, just to create a corridor, a bird corridor mainly. And can you tell us about some of the local birds that you get here? I think I saw a cormorant before, but I'm not sure. I'm not quite good on the birds. We've had um, hawks. And that, we used to come down here and watch the hawk all the time and you see him hover and then, boom, straight down. Um, swans, we've had swans. We've had a family of swans over the years and they're cygnets every year they would breed. During the drought, they stopped breeding. So, you know, that was it. That's when the ponds were actually empty, the ponds down here. And I think a lot of the residents just thought, oh, can't we fill it from the river? But you actually can't. You're not supposed to. So the actual flow comes from the houses. So all the water comes from the drainage through the first pond and the reeds. By the time it gets filters through, it should be a lot healthier water system. Hello there, how are you going? Good, thank you. Are you enjoying being out here today planting? Yes. And how many have you planted so far? Uh, I think it might be my fifth. I think that's a record. (laughs) Thank you. The kids are involved in every step of the shrub planting process. The Maravanong City Council are keeping a watchful eye on them and explaining what to do, how to do it and why it is important. So, we've got our water crystal. So, this is a wetting agent. So, in the summer, it'll have some moisture to draw from. So, it will be um, guaranteed some moisture in that dry period. So a little bit of soil on top of the wedding agent and the fertiliser tablet. I can see quite a lot of different things that the students out here are planting. Can you give me an idea of what some of these species are, how they're going to grow and how they benefit the wetland? Well, they're all low um, shrubs and ground covers and bushes um, that would have occurred here naturally before European settlement. The one right in front of us, this sort of strappy one, is um, it's Lamandra, Lamandra longifolia, that um, it's one of the plants that used to get called things like hockey's bootlaces because it has these long strappy leaves that you can use as fibre and um, the um, original people used to make baskets out of it and that gets to a nice tussocky thing about knee height and um, most people would know it even if they didn't think they do because they're very popular for planting along freeways. It's a really reliable green little thing that forms a dense cover ideal for little birds and lizards to hide in this patch because as it is at the moment this is just bare ground there's no cover there's no shelter there's no food sources that um spiny mat rush is its common name um provides some of that um other plants we've got here i can see that there is um uh Inardia nutans which is uh, ruby saltbush 
and that's more of a, a flat ground cover type bush and um, it's called salt bush because well it's a bit salt tolerant to there being salt in the ground but also the leaves taste slightly salty but it has nice little red berries on it which you can eat it's obviously you know bird food and it's a great thing I really like it because it forms a dense ground covering mat that helps um, suppress as we say weeds coming up so it's a real ripper covers all the ground yeah what's this uh, more leafy one over uh, there that, that we can see that is hop gardenia and that is a, a bit of a higher bush gardenia ovata hop gardenia um, I presume it's called hop gardenia because it's probably one of various plants that um, the early settlers used to use the leaves to to um, help brew beer with or it looks like hops I'm not sure anyway really nice bush quite um, dense thing up to about chest height that gets covered with um, yellow flowers and again a beautiful habitat plant because it's nice and dense covered with all these flowers that are a source of um, nectar and so on for um, for insects which are then food for birds so it's, it's a beautiful thing and um, I like it being planted here too because it'll be visible from the train it'll be nice especially when it's covered with its yellow flowers Students from the local Footscray City College have put up their hands to dig, plant, water and protect the environment. We have a chat with a few keen Year 7s who have been studying water systems and are getting some hands-on experience. So are you guys enjoying being out here planting? Is it better than being in the classroom, being able to come down here? Definitely. Do <laughs> yeah, for yes. sure. <laughs> it's, a, it's an arm workout as well. It's really fun. Yeah. Some guns. Yeah. And how do you feel about being involved in a project like this where these plants are going to be here for the next 10, 20, 30 years? You, you're creating this place. How does that make you feel? Really good. Like, I've never, like, really had, like, the chance to, like, garden, like, and plant things. So it's, like, yeah, it's really nice. Yeah. And so have you been enjoying learning about waterways? Is this a better way to do it um, outside of the classroom? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. it shows like in real life and stuff. Like I've learned so much about water during this term and all that. And it just brings it to real life, I guess, just doing outside. Yeah. It's like you're in a classroom for like hours, like just searching everything up, but you can just like go outside and like see it yourself. It's like a fun way of doing it, yeah. So how many rocks do you reckon you've hit? I can hear another one there. It was, it was fully covered over there. It was yeah, yeah. So we're just looking around to find if we can find different places to plant, to plant it, plant it because all the rocks here don't look natural. The they are looking man-made. So are you enjoying being in the rejuvenating process in this area? Do you like being out here today, knowing yeah. that what you're doing out here is going to be here for a long time now? Yeah, because I had like. My teacher told me at the Footscray Park there's this guy that um, planted this tree when he was 15. He wasn't there to see it grow, but now it's all massive. So it's good to think that might happen to um, things that we plant one day. Yeah. It's been a wonderful day down here at Newell's Paddock. Although we're only about six kilometres from the Melbourne CBD, the air is cleaner and the atmosphere is calm. It's been fascinating to hear about the history of this part of Wurundjeri land, from its use as a night soil dump to its more recent past as an industrial site. With the fantastic work of Friends of Newell's Paddock, the Eco City World Summit, City of Maribyrnong and of course the Army of Year 7s, I look forward to revisiting in the coming years to see how much it has evolved and to see how the kids from Footscray City College have helped turn this former industrial eyesore into a beautiful urban green space where people can connect with native flora and fauna. Thanks very much guys, good luck with the rest of the planting. Thank you. Nice work.
thanks to our reporter Claudia Hooper and all the shrub planters from the Footscray City College. No doubt the future residents who live near Newell's Paddock will thank these junior green thumbs that they'll be able to enjoy the beautiful natural environment that they helped rejuvenate. Thanks also to Belinda Young from the Melbourne Sustainable Society Institute at the University of Melbourne. This Eavesdrop on Experts bonus episode was made possible by the University of Melbourne. Recorded on June 28, 2017, co-production by Dr Andy Horvath and Claudia Hooper. Audio engineering and editing by me, Chris Hatzis. Join us again next time for another Eavesdrop on Experts.